as a pastor or staff member of a church. It is common to experience compassion fatigue and find that you spend so much time caring for others, you're not caring for yourself. Saga wants to help foster healthy churches by facilitating the support of the emotional, mental, and relational health of their leaders. As a partner of Saga, pastors and staff can confidently and easily begin their journey by being uniquely matched to a therapist that best fits their needs. To learn more about a church partnership with Saga, go to sagacenter.org. That's S-A-G-A center.org. Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 259. Uh, Every now and then, you get a chance to talk to somebody. You're kind of just geeked out a little bit that you get to have this conversation with them. You're a little bit nervous about because you know this is coming up when you see it on the calendar. You're grateful that they said yes to be on the show. And then when they come on, they are so disarming and they're so authentic. You just feel like you've been friends forever. Chad Beach is that guy. Chad is a social media influencer. He is an author. He is an incredible communicator. He's going to be at our revival coming up in November. And he leads a great church called Zoe Church down in the Los Angeles area. I could not wait to have Chad Beach on and he delivered. I can't wait for you to hear what he has to say about authenticity and overcoming anxiety. Well, I want to thank Saga Counseling for helping us overcome anxiety. Saga does so much good work in helping us deal with our mental health. And if you are interested in talking to somebody about your mental health, check out sagacounseling.com. That's sagacounseling.com. Okay, can't wait for you to hear my conversation with pastor, author, incredible fashionista, dresser, and now friend, Chad Beach. Chad Veach, it's an honor to have you on Leading Simple. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, a, a lot of us kind of know a little bit about your story. Some of our listeners do not. You're in L.A. now, but what's the journey? Tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid from the Seattle area. Uh, moved down here for, for my first stint in 1998 to go to Bible college. Uh, I was here for six years. I worked at a church in East L.A. for about five and a half years. Moved back up to Seattle, worked at a church there for 10 years, and then came down here with my wife and planted a church called Zoe seven years ago. So that's it in a nutshell. Wow. Okay, so Seattle. Does that make you a Seahawks fan or? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Seahawks. Uh, uh, Washington Huskies, everything. Okay. Uh, so- the songs got stolen from us, so you know I'm not going to become an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. So go <laughs> Lakers. And when I moved down to LA, I called my dad. I said, Dad, I'm done with the Mariners. Yeah. I am leaving the Mariners. I am going to become a Dodger fan. And since then, they went to went to three World Series and won one. So I think I made a good decision. Well, I think you might be the cause of that. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> I don't want not to us be the glory, not to us, but to your name. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay, so um, I know you're friends with Judah Smith, but did you serve in his church? Is that the connection there, Seattle and L.A.? Yeah. Right before we got ready to come down to uh, plant our church, uh, our daughter had just been born and was diagnosed with a, with a rare brain condition. Hmm. 
And so we didn't feel like we had the strength to come down right away. So Judah was kind enough to say, hey, come and be on staff. Come and, and sit and, and, and chill out here until you're ready. And then when you're ready, we'll send you. And um, so the first year, all I did was come to staff and come on Sundays, traveled and preached. And, uh, and then the next year, I was so bored after a year, I said, hey, please let me do something. Please put me to work. I, I, I'm not built for traveling. I miss people. So uh, I got to work for about the last year of being up with them. And, and then we went, came down and, and planted. Tell us about your daughter. Yeah, so her name is Georgia. She's 11 now. Wow. And uh, when she was born, she was born with a rare brain condition. For whatever reason, her brain just did not form. So that, you know, she's never, she's never done much of anything. She's never talked. She's never crawled. She's never even rolled over. She's, you know, she gets all of her feeding through a tube. She's on a lot of medications. She really suffers from a lot of seizures. Mm. Um, but she's a miracle. And she's lived longer than they ever, you know, would have projected. And, and she's done better than anybody ever thought she would. Okay, so I, I did not know we were going to go here, but if you don't mind, I, I think it's beneficial to our listeners to know that just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. And obviously, it's some of those darkest times where you learn the most about God. What, what have you learned about Christ through this very difficult journey? Yeah, you know, what do they say? You, you wouldn't wish this on your worst enemy. I, I, w- I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but, but then again, I wouldn't trade it for the world because it really... You know, when Jesus says, pray, God, give me my bread, my daily bread. When you, when you go through something like this, or, you know, a lot of times we think that um, hard times is like an event or a season. But, you know, 11 years of raising a child that's never said a word to you struggles massively with a ton of seizures. Um, sometimes your problem is, it, you know, kind of stays in the, in the house or stays with you for a bit. So you really have to depend on God. What I learned about God is truly his power is made perfect in weakness. Hmm. And when I am weak, the Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. Why am I strong? I can do all things through Christ. So God gives you the wisdom. God provides the peace. God provides the people. You're just utterly dependent upon God when you go through hard times. So I've learned about his faithfulness. I've learned about his grace. I've learned about um, the patience of God, all, all, all the above. So I've learned more about his character and nature walking through this. I really don't think you learn on the mountaintop of success. I think it's in the valley of despair that God does his best work. So sometimes when, when there's trouble with the kids, it can, it can drive a wedge in the marriage and you guys can kind of drift apart. Um, you know, oftentimes the wife feels like a failure because she's so dedicated to family and finds her success there. The husband feels like, I'm just going to throw myself into work. How did you and your wife kind of grow together through this uh, and find, you know, common ground? Because I'm sure there's times when you're up and she's down and vice versa. Well, yeah, the guy looked at us. He said, here's the diagnosis, slides the piece of paper across the desk. Here's the diagnosis. Uh, so sorry. Basically, your daughter doesn't have a brain. And as it, oh, by the way, 85% of marriages that face what you guys are now facing end in divorce. It was like he gave us two death certificates in one. Wow. And so we've had to really fight to, you know, stay unified, 
to stay uh, each other's biggest cheerleaders. Um, yeah, when I'm down, she's had to pick me up and vice versa. And that's, but that's, you know, the vows of marriage mm -hmm. in sickness and in health, mm -hmm. in rich or poor, for better or for worse. And that's why, you know, you make these commitments to one another that like, hey, this happens, I'm, 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 I'm riding with you. And so we've had to learn how to walk that out and, um, and really learn, you know, love is a decision. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's a decision. Mm. And we choose to, to love each other. Mm. That's so great. Well, thank you for sharing that. Tell me a little bit about, I mean, you're a pastor's kid. A lot of pastor's kids don't want to be pastors. A lot of them don't want to be Christians. So <laughs> tell me when you decided this was for you. I mean, it's just such a great example from your dad, or did you have kind of a wondering as well? Oh, yeah. No, my, our, my parents are amazing. They're the real deal. They're kind. They're godly. They're fun. They took the things of God serious, never themselves serious. Our house was the house that all the friends wanted to come hang out at. My parents are just special people. My dad pastored a great church, and my, and my mom taught high school Spanish. Wow. So my mom was around high schoolers all the time, and, you know, I just was really blessed to grow really fortunate to grow up with parents that were you know not perfect but the same people at home as they were at church and uh, i was friends with my parents so yeah i was never i didn't have a bad experience in church i wasn't put off i of course i rebelled when i was a kid you know in middle school early high school i was kind of like i don't want to do church but i didn't want to do it because i saw how hard it was yeah like i could tell my parents were sacrificing and giving a lot and loving a lot. And I was going, I don't think I want to die to myself like that. So um, I, I, I'm really grateful to have, you know, had a front row to watch them uh, live the life that they've lived. And, and they were just great examples to me. So you decided to start this church down in L.A., uh, tell us how it began. I mean, some churches start because another church gives them a bunch of people and some cash. Others are just total parachute drops. You come right down into the heart of L.A. and go for it. So how, how'd this get going? Yeah, you know, we just, um, we came down, we moved down. We didn't have a team. We didn't have an office. We didn't have uh, any money, really. We, you know, we were... From Seattle, driving down about Sacramento, we found a house we wanted to rent on Craigslist. We sent some friends that lived in Ventura to go check out the neighborhood. They go, it's a good neighborhood. You should rent. So we got the house. We set up for about six weeks, and then we just started doing Bible study in our house. The first uh, Tuesday night, I was doing Tuesday nights then. The first Tuesday night, we had 11 people show up in our house. And I said, hey, we're going to start this church. We're going to be meeting every Tuesday to talk about it. We'd love to have you join the team. Started to grow in our house to about 85 people. Uh, when we hit 85, it wasn't the number that freaked me out. It was that I looked across the room and I was like, that guy should never be in my house. I don't know who that is, but that's, that's not okay. <laughs> so then the next Tuesday, we started renting a, a church in Santa Monica. And we did that for nine months and built up this core to launch this church. And you said the church is now seven years old. Is that right? seven years old where do you guys meet right now we have two locations we have one kind of in the little tokyo area not far from downtown then we have one here on the west side and uh, but before the pandemic we were in three locations we we're in hollywood the valley and echo park 
Okay. And um, so we're just kind of getting back to the strength of being able to do multi-site again. Yeah. Do you do video teaching or do you live teaching everywhere? Yeah, we do uh, live from our broadcast location and then, and then we'll shoot it out everywhere else. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That's, that's exciting. Okay. Now I want to talk about your book. You've written several, but your latest one, boy, I totally have title envy on this because it's such a great title. When I worry about everything because I pray about nothing, man, that's brilliant. Where'd this idea come from? Well, it's just a play on Philippians 4, you know, 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. That's good. You know, Paul writes to the church in Philippi. And uh, so we just flipped it. You know, um, uh, years ago, Lisa Turker said, your title has to either answer a question people are, are asking or it has to meet a felt need. Mm. And so that title to us really met that felt need. Wow, I need to pray because I'm worried about everything. And, um, and you know, we just live in a culture of stress and anxiety, burnout. Mm. And I, want, I wanted to write a book that is the antidote. The presence of God, the peace of God is the antidote. And, th and that's really what Paul's saying here. The peace of God, which is beyond anything you could ever understand the natural, will guard your heart and your mind. So how can we go through all these things that we're going through and not pray? Um, years ago, there was another great book title that came out from Bill Hybels, and it was called Too Busy Not to Pray. Mm -hmm. And I thought, there it is right there. We're just, we got too much going on for us to, to not pray. How have you found, because as a pastor and a father and a husband and um, you know a, a world speaker and all these things that you do, man, there's, there's only so many hours in the day. How have you found the best rhythm to pray? What's that look like for you? It, to me, you know, meeting with God has always been such a morning thing. Yeah. You know, something about the morning. So even this morning, my alarm goes off. It's dark. It's rainy because now somehow Seattle weather has crept into Southern California. Right. We used to be called sunny Southern California. Now we live in Seattle, Southern California. But um, yeah, to me, it's like, hey, man, let's go. Get up. Let's read. Let's pray. Mm. Let's seek his face early in the morning. And uh, I've always been a, a, a Bible guy. I, you know, when I was 18, a guy named Wayne Cordero taught his son and I how to, how to read the Bible every morning and taught us how to soap. So that's always been a discipline, you know, from early Bible college days. Just yeah. wake up, read the Bible, wake up, read the Bible, wake up, read the Bible. But I really, through this book, you know, was reminded to add back in that prayer time as well. Yeah, And the thing I love about prayer is that it, it could be like in written form, it could be walking around, it could be kneeling, it could be, you know, it, it, the, it, the point is communication, not the posture. Mm -hmm. And so I, I've really enjoyed reactivating that part of my life that, you know, I, I get a little bit legalistic with Bible reading. I needed to add in my relationship. Yeah. which is uh, what this whole thing is about. Yeah, I hear you. It, it can become a little bit like just logging pages for the sake of getting it done, but uh, I mix it up. I you know, do the year thing, and then I do certain books or studies, but the SOAP method, we, we've done that at our church for years, and it's, it's awesome. Scripture, observation, application, prayer, and you're right. Oftentimes, we do the soap without the P, and we, you know, it's just SOA, and we forget about the prayer. That's right. Uh, so it kind of leads us into a, uh, 
just a little bit of uh, knowledge without uh, without the power part, right? That's exactly right. Okay, well, your podcast, uh, I love this thing. Uh, Leadership Lean In. You have some great insights and great guests. Uh, tell us kind of where this idea came from. How long have you been doing it? Do you enjoy it? Oh, I, I love it. It's so much fun. Uh, you know, as you know, hosting a podcast is just a, it's just a ton of fun. And right, yeah, you know, I I stumbled upon this thing. I I backed my way into this thing. There was a guy in our church at a podcast uh, studio, and all the big YouTube kids were leaving or not leaving YouTube, but they were starting their podcasts. And so he had the biggest names, and this guy came to me, he says, hey, I got all these YouTube kids coming over to do this podcast, they signed with me, blah, blah, blah. I got this great space. I'd love to host a podcast for you and offer that to you. Um, all you gotta do is show up. My team will record it, we'll edit the videos, we'll post it, you just show up, record. And so I went and checked out the space, I go, this is beautiful, it has this view of downtown, you know, it's mm. unbelievable. So I go, yeah, what's, what, you know, no harm, no foul. So if we had a guest in, I would say, hey, preach, and then let's go record this podcast. So we had, you know, good start, but I didn't take it serious. I would, I would release one every six weeks, maybe <laughs> miss a month. I was just kind of like, whatever. They go, you know, it's doing real good. The, the streams are good. Ah, whatever. And then COVID happened, and I was like, mm. oh, maybe there's something to this. I just love the subject of leadership. To me, it's like faith and leadership, faith and leadership. These are my two favorite outside of my wife, my kids and sports. These are my two. And um, so I've just really enjoyed learning more about leadership. Hey, let me interrupt this podcast for just a second to remind you, if you're not taking care of your mental health, nobody is. Step up and go check out sagacenter.org to find out more. All right, back to our show. So the cadence you have now is it is it every week do you do you do several and then put them out randomly or just how are you finding your groove with that yeah we just learned every week you know I, I, it, that's that was the the tipping point to to streams to views to kind of growing it mm-hmm. that if you really want to grow a podcast it's kind of like let's just apply it to church you know there's only kind of one thing you got to do to to grow church and that's meet every sunday <laughs> If you don't meet on Sundays, we're going to have a problem. I, the podcast to us is kind of similar. It's like, hey, if you don't put put out a podcast once a week, uh, it's going to be hard to grow this thing. So, we've yeah, we doubled down our commitment, and, and, the, and the response has, has you know, completely shown that the reaction to that in a positive way. I don't know if you feel the way that I do about it, but I kind of, a little bit like you, I went into it a little bit lackluster. And I, I found that, man, I really enjoy it because I get to talk to people I would never get to hang out with because they're across the country or they don't want to give me that much time or whatever. But uh, I sit there sometimes and think, this is a master class on leadership. And yeah. and I'm just getting to sit at the, the feet of this master. This is incredible. I, to- I totally agree. And, you know, I think uh, any great leader to me is just lives their whole life curious. Mm-hmm. And and I and I think the podcast has piqued my curiosity at another level. I, I just am astounded by how little I know. <laughs> and that's what I really enjoy about it. Okay, so I want to drill down on something I heard you actually talk about on a podcast uh, with Chris Hodges, who's just a, a hero for a lot of us. But it's this idea of the imposter syndrome. Uh, man, what a brilliant um, way to describe this, because we've all seen it. We all know it when we see it, 
But, you know, we certainly see it in the church world, and I think now more than ever it's being exposed as it should have been a long time ago. But how, how are you seeing this play out? What's it look like in leaders? Well, I think we recognize it because we've all struggled with it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, at different phases of our life, we've all, you know, another way to say this is image management. We're all trying to placate or pretend that we're better than we are. Mm. You know, and I think that the, the, the fear in that or the, 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 the scare for me in that is that you're going to convince people that you're that, you're, you're that good. But then when they're going to get to know you, they're going to realize, oh, that's a sham. Yeah. You know, you're not that good. And you're not that impressive. First of all, if you're a leader, the novelty of your greatness is going to wear off at some point. Mm. People are really going to get to know you and go, oh, you're just like me. Mm. You know, like made from dirt. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, like sinful and like flawed. And, you know, the dark side to every leader. I think people are so petrified of, of showing their weaknesses, insecurities, struggles, humanity. And so we're living in this imposter syndrome. The problem is, is that people will always admire your strengths, but they relate with your weaknesses. Mm. And so you look at guys like the Apostle Paul, who said, guys, I I struggle so much. The things that I hate to do, that's what I'm kind of often doing. The things that I want to do, I rarely do those things. I think we have to, as uh, especially in church, we have to be more sincere, more genuine, more authentic. Now, that doesn't mean we have to go through and tell everybody, I did this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. It's just about living a genuine, authentic life. And I, so I, I don't appreciate the imposter syndrome. They say over 70% of, uh, of adults in America struggle with it. And hmm. there, it, it comes from, it's deeply rooted in the fear of rejection and it manifests in insecurity. I'll spend any amount of money to keep up with the Joneses. I'll do everything within my power to be seen as more important than what I really am. And as opposed to walking in humility and preferring others and having a very healthy, accurate view of myself. Wow, that's so well said. And it is something that everybody struggles with. We all wrestle with this. Oh, absolutely. Was there a time? I, I think I think that sometimes we, 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 we fear like, you know, there's a tension here because as a servant, Paul, Paul's like, I become all things to all people. So when I'm with the weak, I become weak. And, you know, he goes on. It, all that is to win people. I think we have to be careful. Our The motive of our heart is to adjust so that we can win people to Jesus. But I don't try and change who I am so that I can win people to me. Mm. If it's all about me and my popularity, I, I just become a chameleon. I think we have to have a little bit more purpose and mission in our life. Man, that is such a, and I'm glad you hit on that. For pastors especially, we feel this weight of, you got to like me first, so then you'll like Jesus and so we almost uh, spiritualize this imposter thing. And you're right. We use that verse of all things to all people. And really, it's just us trying to gain more uh, likes or followers or people that, that enjoy us, wouldn't you say? That's exactly right. And there's tension. Listen, yeah. you know, nobody knows our own motives like us and God. And so let God deal with the motives of our heart. Yeah. 
That's a great that's a great point. Yeah, it is an interesting dynamic because Jesus looked so much like everybody else that they had to pay somebody 30 pieces of silver to pick him out of a crowd. <laughs> and on the other hand, he wasn't like anybody else. So he he obviously walked the fine line. So good. Uh, okay, so um, what about personally? Was there a time you think, huh, I think I got caught up in that? Or was there a time when you felt like, boy, I, I see that that could become a danger for me? And how did you fight against it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I look back on, on, on years of, of, of growing up in ministry, starting, mm -hmm. being a youth pastor, wanting to be like other great communicators, wanting to have a conference, all the, you know, I just think we have to call things what they are. Sometimes it's just jealousy. Yeah. Sometimes it's competitive. There's so much humanity involved in all of these things. That's why I'm so grateful for God's word. That thing will mess you up. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know a guy or a gal in the world that's like, you know what I love? I love being rebuked. <laughs> There's nothing like being corrected. But, you know, you start reading this thing, it, it, God's Word will tell you what to do, what not to do, and what to do when you haven't been doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so the Word of God, it, it just, it's all, we're exposed. And so the Word of God will start to go, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. you, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to them. That's, that's not for my glory, that's for your name. And so I can re look back on many seasons where God has really arrested my intentions and desires and my, my desire to be important. Think about this. Jesus walking down the road, two of the 12 snuggle up and they go, hey, don't you think it'd be pretty great if like he got to send your left and I got to send your right, you know, when we get to heaven? And so that was lurking in the guys that were walking and living with him and watching him do miracles back then. That's lurking in us. Yeah. So we've got to let God work out. <laughs> you know, Paul's like, I got to come back and work on you guys here in Galatia because we got to get Christ formed because clearly it's not right now. <laughs> I find such great hope when I look at the disciples because these guys, oh my goodness, I, I'm just so much like them. I mean, they see Jesus feed 5,000 and then 4,000 come around. They're like, I don't know what we're going to do. What are we going to do? You know, it's just <laughs> their lack of faith, their their lack of humility at times. It's just hilarious <laughs> and, and so much like my life at the same time. Uh, exactly. Um, okay, so obviously the Bible rebukes us. We got so much to work on, but let's say you're in a situation where you're working on a church staff and you're working with somebody you think, man, they have, they've taken a bite out of the apple or they're getting too, you know, we say where I'm from, too big for their britches. Um, how do you talk to an imposter in a way to kind of wake them up without talking down to them? Is there something that we could say to people that would let them know we love you, but we're concerned for you, almost like an intervention for an imposter? Has this ever gone well? Have you ever seen this? Yeah, you know, I think I think a couple of things come to mind. You know, Jesus, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Yeah. So he's full of both. And I think when we're dealing with people, you know, I always think if I don't have their betterment in mind. If I just want to air out my opinion and go off on somebody, I should not be the one talking to them. Right. 
But if I really want to serve them and add value, you know, I, I've got to be honest. Now, that's grace with truth. And so I'm gracious and I'm understanding and I'm loving. Um, you know, Galatians 6, 1, you who are spiritual, restore gently the one that's fallen. So I got to be gentle here. I got to, I got to be like a surgeon and be careful. But um, yeah, I think that I'm grateful for the people in my life that have called me out or told me I was wrong and helped pastor me. Now, when it comes to correcting fools, mm. that's a whole nother story. Because I, 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 I can't rebuke a fool. I, I'll be the fool. Mm. I, I, it, will, it will harm me. So this person has to show me they're an imposter, but they don't want to be. There's a little bit of that. Let's use some Brad Lomanick language here. Mm. They're humble. They're hungry. And they got hustle. Maybe the hustle is a lot more than the humble, but there's some nuance of humble there. It's just there might be a little egocentric right now. I have if I always ask people, are you okay? If I can I speak into this? Because if not, I totally understand. If you don't want me to, I, I, you're you're good. Do you want me to share what I think? Or, or would you would you allow me to pastor you in this? If you don't want that, I totally get it. I understand. You probably got your own thoughts. But if you want me to, I'll, I'll, t I'll tell you what I think. Hmm. So I, I think we got to be careful not to, when we see imposter syndromes, try and rescue people that you, you, at the end of the day, the father was like, you want your inheritance right now? I don't agree, but you, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's see how that works out. Yeah. And I'm here when you come back. Love you, no matter what. Yeah. Tell me about uh, what's next at your church. What are you guys excited about? I mean, it's it's a new day. It's post-COVID. We're all moving ahead. Uh, we're all licking our wounds from that wonderful uh, couple of years. It felt like a decade. So, you know, what's next for you guys? What's happening now? Yeah, so um, we just purchased our first building over in Highland Park. We're renovating it right now. Mm. We're hoping to be open in November, and uh, we're really excited about it. So that's our, that's our next big project is getting ready for our first ever building. That's, that's really exciting for us. That is so awesome. Will you keep the other sites that are going right now and eventually find them permanent spaces? Yes. That's the plan. Yeah, our, our, our real goal uh, you know, we want to have locations all over LA, but our main kind of four areas we're targeting is we want to own properties in the valley, on the west side of the city, on the east side of the city, and the South Bay. That's kind of the four main buildings we want to own, and then maybe lease out into other spaces throughout the city. Yeah, that's a great vision. But I know that God has called me to Malibu. I mean, come on, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I've been praying for that one or Carpinteria, but uh, God has not, uh, yeah. he's not shown the light that way. Uh, well, here at Real Life, we have such a huge heart for California because, as you know, and that's why you're here, if you don't change California, you're not going to change America, you're not going to change the world. So that's why we do what we do. And uh, if we can ever partner together on church plants uh, or any ministry efforts in the city or in the state, and we are in. So love what you are doing. Grateful for you and your ministry and your efforts. Um, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? 
Yeah, um, our church website's so easy. It's zoechurch.org. And then I have a website uh, with some resources, just my name, chadbeach.org uh, as well. That's great. And the podcast is called Leadership Lean In. The book, the latest one, When I Worry About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing. Again, great title, and apparently because it came from the Apostle Paul. So, of course, it's brilliant. So, (laughs) brother, it's been a joy. Thank you for giving us some time and being on the podcast today. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, and uh, hopefully I'll come back. Let's let's get me, you, Ray Lewis, the whole crew back together soon. (laughs) Yeah, Ray's got some time on his head, so let's do it. Chad, that was awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to everybody listening. I know you're going to want to share this with somebody else, so pass it along. Thanks to Saga Counseling for all that they do, and I want to encourage everybody to check them out at sagacounseling.com. Next week, we'll be back with brand new content. Can't wait for you to hear it. As always, keep it simple. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple. Let's just-